Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, forward by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is John Trooper. This is Kate Prusser. This is Julio Rodriguez. Produced by Evan James Audio. This is Luca Landing Podcast. Hello, and welcome to our first ever postseason Lookout Landing Podcast. Usually we're doing the off season at this point, but we're doing the postseason because the Mariners are not only in it, they survived, they advanced, they danced, and they did it all in surprising fashion. Now, a lot of you want to hear about the Astro series that's coming up. That's the kind of boomer part. Um, We're going to address that in another pod where we have John Troopin with us. He's not able to be with us today. So instead, we have called in from the East Coast president of Mariners fan club, Shay Weintraub. Shay, hello. Oh, and good afternoon. Um, yes. Yeah. Afternoon here and morning there. Yes, so we are we are holding hands across the entire United States right now. Shay, did I say your last mm-hmm. name wrong? I realize I have not said it. Yeah, Weintraub. it's Weintraub. Yeah. Weintraub. All right, good. Yay for me. And joining us also, <laughs> as always, is podcast engineer extraordinaire, Evan James. Evan, how are you? Doing great. I'm excited to talk today. It's always more fun after a win, but it's especially more fun after a historic win, right? That's different. Yeah. Oh, yes, it is 100%. Again, we're totally in uncharted territory here. We really appreciate everyone's grace. uh, And I just want to shout everyone out on the site in general because um, we are learning a lot. 
because it, it we're yeah we're just we're all kind of making it up as we go along here and that's part that's something that's really fun about it and it's something that's never going to happen again which um you only break a i mean ideally uh in our lifetimes i guess i should say you only break a historic 20-year playoff drought once so i'm not the only one who had a a little bit of a lion today i was very not even i was not hungover first of all but I did not drink at all. I was just exhausted. And more of I an emotional really hangover late. than a regular I, Yeah, hangover. that is more of it. I was just emotionally exhausted. I slept really late today and he slept along with me. I think felt some of those same feelings. Perhaps when I was like pulling out his hair by petting him too hard <laughs> during the stressful <laughs> points in yesterday's game. Um, but yeah, I want to just kind of, let's start just by like, I was recapping. So I was at home by myself, like not super exciting way to take in the most historic playoff game the Mariners have played in two decades but I know a lot of people are out and celebrating and um, making new friends and Shay you're a huge part with of that so I'd, li- I'd, I'd like to hear from you guys what you were doing and Shay also to hear from you a little bit about these watch parties that you helped coordinate yeah absolutely um, well first everybody has to wear a watch there is it's a rule. You just have to wear a watch if it's a watch party. But sure, sure. sure. <laughs> can I so wear wa- Dan? Can I wear Dan Wilson's fifty-seven dollar Timex? Which we had a great piece go up prior to the series on uh, everybody's playoff looks, courtesy of friend of the site looks. Brittany Bush. Yeah, and they were really excellent. And I'm really glad she included Dan Wilson in his team hoodie and fifty-seven dollar Timex watch because. It was so painfully on brand for Dan Wilson. I was I was delighted. Yeah, I got to wear a watch. Uh, a lot of people who have the like nice fancy watches that give you your uh, blood pressure, your heart rate. Yeah, those those are the people that can really tell you how we're doing. But these watch parties, I did a call out for anybody. Originally, it was for anybody who was out of the market that wanted to find some other Mariners fans in their area. And, you know, just I've lived here in Rhode Island for seven years now. And save for one person I went to high school with that moved near me, who I haven't seen since before the pandemic, really didn't know anybody. Um, I have one of my really great friends. They live up in Manchester, New Hampshire with their spouse and actually able to see both of them yesterday but providence and manchester are pretty far apart so i was thinking you know a lot of people probably want to catch this game with somebody who can appreciate what's going on so i did a good old google form uh who doesn't love a google form and then i sent it out and then a lot of people from the mariners market really wanted to jump in on that as well um, so I, then I opened that up and like when you say Mariners market, you mean people who probably a lot of people who are listening to this podcast, like people who don't necessarily live in Seattle or within easy driving distance of T-Mobile Park and couldn't make the watch parties there, but wanted are still in the market and wanted a localized spot to like kind of meet up. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Anybody who's not uh, Seattle adjacent. Um, and then also, if anybody is in Idaho, Montana, Oregon, Alaska, right about there, um, they jumped in on that. So I think maybe for the division series, I might pull together another one just for people in the Mariners market. 
Um, and then I'll send an email out to all the people who have already done it. But uh, the DC one I saw, that was a huge hit. Um, I had on Friday, I watched with a couple folks, um, Jacob and Sarah, shout out to them, who came with me to Lucky Enough, shout out to Lucky Enough, um, to watch the game. And that was really fun to catch that win uh, in my favorite bar in Providence with a couple of Mariners fans. And it, as people were emailing it um, back and forth in the chain, it was just really cool to see all these people making plans. I'm really happy that people were able to get together and experience such a historic moment. With it was really cool to see it. the pictures roll in from the watch party. And I know that you're probably planning to do like a roundup of all those photos so we can see everybody at all their different locations. Mm-hmm. I know the DC one, I think, had like 50 people at it. DC is so, a city of transplants, so that makes a <laughs> yeah, whole lot it, of sense. It def- definitely makes sense. Uh, the yeah. Bay Area one had a, a pretty strong contingent as well. Our own staffer, Ezra Roberts, was there. Um, so really, really exciting stuff. And I just want to express a lot of appreciation to you, Shay, for organizing that. I was getting the emails, and I was like, I cannot, <laughs> I cannot keep up with this. But it was really cool to see everybody connecting and hopefully making some new friends. So, yeah, stay tuned with the site if that's something that interests you. We are all about collecting people together and hopefully, like, you know, the team will just feel how much everyone is behind them. I'm thinking, too, there are going to be a lot of bandwagon Mariner fans appearing over this Mm -hmm. week, so... Uh, and we are open to all. Yeah, and you never know who's going to show up to them. Um, one of the people who signed up for the Boston area one was none other than Mary Lambert, the recording artist, and she did not... Has worked with Macklemore? Yes, uh, mm-hmm. great song. Oh, I've cried many times to that song, Same Love. <laughs> but she, um, at least not to the Providence one, but she was on the chain, and hopefully she'll be able to catch a game with some other Mariners fans out here in the Boston area. Extremely cool. And it kind of gives you an indication of like how faithful this fan base has been over this extremely long period, extremely, extremely long period. Like I know a lot of it is you're born into it. You kind of don't have a choice if you're from this area. I mean, you can, just be like, nope, forget it. I'm a Yankees fan. And I'm sure people do, but I don't know any of those people, or maybe they're just embarrassed to uh, introduce themselves to me. Like, we just don't do that out here. We support our hometown team. And I know many more stories of people who should not be Mariners fans. They've made terrible choices. Uh, but like Jordan Schusterman from the Sesame's <laughs> Barbecue just picked up the Mariner, like had no lived connection to the team, but just kind of picked it up. I know the Dorktown series brought a lot. Our own staff writer, Jake Parr came (laughs) from that. He was like, this team seems very weird. I've got to get in on this. So uh, it's really exciting to see that payoff for just so many years of being loyal and uh, sticking by this team. Even like when, things were not going great when you disagreed fundamentally with how they were being run um it has not been smooth 
at any point, seemingly, but uh, it really feels like a lot of vindication for Mariners fans that um, that's just been a long time coming. All right. Let's talk, though, about yesterday's game, because I know that's why people have tuned in. They want to relive things. Um, so, yeah, let's just kind of let let let's do that. And I guess I will open it up to you, like uh, just kind of like walk me through your feelings of the like for the game. Like, when did you think? It was going to happen. What was your what was your certain certainty that they were going to win this game, and how that varied kind of as through the experience of watching it? Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them with Royal Caribbean? You don't just go to the beach; you visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip; you ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Ooh. Um, wow. Okay, so yesterday, I watched the entire game start to finish Friday. But yesterday, I had a, uh, I run a Queers and Beers group here in Rhode Island. And we had a meetup from 1 to 4. and. East Coast time, it game started at 407. Uh, weird. So we had to, we were nowhere near my house. And so my friends uh, and I went to a nearby tavern. We watched it there. And we were there probably, mm, yeah, uh, until it got to eight to one. Is that what they call it in Rhode Island? Do they call them taverns? Like, like it's the 1850s whaling times like you're all in a quaint little new like england style pub like we just call it a bar i think yeah now that i'm well not all of them but like the old ones yeah this one was muse tavern uh yeah i guess so if it's like an old kind of dealio but this is like one of the taverns that has like the dollar bills on the walls and everything oh yeah 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 i feel like that earns the word tavern yeah, yeah. It reminded me of the place that is near, I think, Port Townsend, and they used to have all those dollar bills on the wall, like IDs, and then they took it down. But anyway, so we are at this tavern, we're at Muse Tavern, and we watched until until it was about 8-1, and it didn't feel good. And we, yeah, we, we left. Um, we left. And we're like, you know, it's okay. I'm telling wow. you, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, there's going to be tomorrow. It's fine. Uh, really trying to practice telling myself that things are going to be okay. Um, I, once upon a time, told myself I was a Seahawks fan during like the Legion of Boom era. And because it created such just anxiety in the fourth quarter, I was like, I can't watch football anymore. And then in those years since, I've learned how to calm my anxiety by telling myself that it's okay. So we left and we were driving back to Providence from, and this is like South County, Rhode Island. So it's probably about 35, 40 minutes. And I was taking a nap. I was tired. That's how I escaped the world. And 
I'm having my friends, I was showing them this cute little park that overlooks the city. And then my friend Sherwood, they're getting updates on their phone. And they keep like looking at their phone and I can see their face and I don't want to ask them. I don't want to jinx anything. And then I pull out my phone and it was when it was still six to nine. And we were obviously making jokes about that because we're 12 year old boys. And we're like, let's go, let's go back to my place. Like, this seems like something could happen out of this. Like, there's a bit of weirder things. And as we're in the car driving back to my house, that's when the JP, uh, that, that hit happens. Base is um, clearing double. Base is clearing double. double. Yeah. <laughs> the, the double double. Um, the Mick double. And it, so I didn't know, like, we didn't know that. Uh, Bichette and Springer had collided. All we knew was that we just scored three runs. We're like, oh, this is cool. This is cool. And then I noticed on the app, like, there was an injury um, timeout kind of thing. And it's like, oh, George Springer's being taken out of the game. I was like, oh, they finally, like, he was kind of shaking his hand earlier in the game, obviously hurt. And it wasn't until we got yeah, home. Yeah, he was very clearly playing through some, I think, not just that injury, but. He's had some trouble with injury this whole season. So just felt like it yeah. was catching up with him. Yeah, it definitely was. And, you know, kudos to him for playing through it. Um, it It's kind of just like a kick in the butt that he had to leave that game from injury after he just had a season of injuries. And it's not that I'm complaining that we ended up winning at all, but um, as personal feelings go but so we get back to my apartment and we turn on the game and they were talking about the collision and so we pulled it up on one of our phones and we watched it and we're just sitting in my living room just eyes glued to the tv i'm playing with my cat because that's how i was like trying to get out of my like get out my anxiety and that was probably we probably got back um end of our end of the top of the ninth or end of the top yeah end of the top of the ninth i believe uh no end of the eighth because we saw the score um we saw adam frazier's hit and right before he hit it we're like wouldn't it be funny if like of all people it was adam frazier to do it and then they did it and we watched the rest of the game and we were all really pulling for Kirby because wow what a time to get your first save makes sense but there was a lot of pride for um for George in this household that he did that and it was I fell to my knees my cat got a little scared and it was it was beautiful then my friends they had to drive back up home to manchester but they stayed for about an hour after because they're both like we're too jacked up to drive right now and so it was um it was it was an experience not so, watching the whole i'm game. hearing i'm hearing that you it was eight the eight to one you were like well that's probably it like Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Good try. Get him again tomorrow. That was. Yeah. yeah. That's very. I mean, that definitely is. Uh, I mean, again, I had to recap, so there was no walking away from the game. But 
I, I, if I had been able to, I might have, you know, not walked away, but maybe like, yeah, it was something. Yeah. I was trying to, you know, do whatever math I can do as somebody who studies history in my head um, and thinking, okay, what's, what chances are we going to take if we let Robbie finish, you know, his time in the game and then bring in Munoz and we don't want to burn through the bullpen and then end up losing and then tomorrow have to go in with, you know, no arms. And so I'm thinking maybe they'll just like, they won't like throw in all of their, um, all of their tricks today and then if they would have played today that's when they would have i mean they would have gambled they would have gambled i was Uh, i was really interested in the bullpen management in this game and i think that's something that we can talk about because i was when i honestly when i saw them go up for nothing i was like well that's probably it like given how our rotate given how our offense has been hitting lately just hasn't been firing on all Cylinders, you know, guys are still kind of working through injury, things like that. Um, I was not super confident. And then Kevin Gaussman throws that splitter and they're awful against the splitter. Like you've seen, we've seen Mm -hmm. them just whiff and whiff and whiff against Otani. And Gaussman is not the pitcher. Otani is, but it was a very similar, you know, kind of plus velocity, then he'd mix in the splitter. They they knew it was coming. It was one of those. There must be no worse feeling as a hitter than being like, "Ugh, I know what's coming. It's two pitches. It's one or the other, and I and still not have a chance." You know. And you saw mm-hmm. like Cal was definitely guessing in his first at bat. Uh, he did work a walk. His second at bat, I think he struck out looking. Where again, it was guessing. You could tell they'd done a lot to prepare, but it just wasn't um having results in the box so yeah i was i was pretty doubtful uh, at that point and i was like well what do you do now like do you go to kirby or gilbert as a bulk guy but i didn't want to do that because i'm figuring at this point i'm thinking we're playing for game three so let's use the back end of the bullpen arms see who can like give us some innings and just get to tomorrow and fight again their rotation, Blue Jays' rotation, takes a big step off. I think um, Ross Strickling is like not a cookie by any <laughs> sense, but he's not Kirby or Gilbert. I, so I felt good about that, even while I was feeling bad about the game. Yeah. Um, how about you, Evan? What did you think of that specifically, or just like? Well, I mean, where where was where where was your sense that we were going to win this game? When was it at its lowest and highest points? You know, I don't know why. I thought we were going to win the game. I actually called it in the Slack. I said Mariners in two before the first game, um, and I meant it. I didn't really have a specific reason, but I liked I liked how we looked against Toronto earlier in the season. We had a really good year against them. Generally speaking, I like the way our pitching stacks up against their lineup. Uh, and you saw that with Luis Castillo and Munoz in day one. Uh, when our pitching is on, that's what it should look like when we face a lineup like that. They should mow through them. Uh, and they did. And that was exactly what I expected to see. 
What's wild about yesterday is that, and I again said this in the Slack, I think that was generally genuinely the worst pitching performance our bullpen has put up in months, if not all year. Uh, no one could throw a strike yesterday for most of the game. And it really, how should I say this? Uh, when I was watching the, the very end of the game, my whole family was there and my sister turned and she asked me, so what are you going to talk about on the podcast? Because I wasn't sure if we were going to do one yesterday or today. And I said that it took every inch and every last drop of talent from this team to pull that <laughs> off. Like down to the last fingernail, like yeah. just everything. <laughs> yes. And we went through the entire bullpen. We had George Kirby come out and throw a gutsy, nearly 30 pitch ninth inning. Um, and the scoring in general started very inconspicuously with a Jared uh, RBI sack fly, I believe, and then a walk with the bases loaded. So like the Mariners got scoring the way they often do, which is without actual hits. And, how did I know they were going to win? I don't know. There's been some weird magic around this team for a while. Um, I think you saw that when they clinched the playoffs with Cal's insane legendary walk-off home run. I think you saw that again with Cal's and Adam Frazier being the heroes. Adam Frazier got to be the hero. Like, what? We've been waiting all year <laughs> for Adam Frazier to be the hero, and here he is. Like, I he know. Showed up. Acquisition wild. pays off. Mm-hmm. It's funny how the... A playoff win is like the the win with Castillo yesterday. It was like, okay, I don't care. Like, I wish Noel Marte and Edwin Arroyo all the best in their careers. They can go become Hall of Famers for all I care. Like, I will always say that's a good trade. That it was one worth it just for that game. Just, just for one game, it was worth it. No question. And, and the Adam Frazier acquisition was has been a sore point all season long, but it was... It looked great in that moment. Mm-hmm. Also, comes- though, Evan, I want to know like where I can find the number of this eternal sunshine of the spotless mind machine that <laughs> you have gotten hooked up to to forget the the bullpen meltdown against the Royals. Just I think- did not think yesterday was our worst pitch. And I mean, it was not the worst pitching performance. It was a poor starter, uh, a poor starter performance. Ray was not sharp, not good. Um, and then it was Paul Seawald of all people just met, but all f- four of those runs are on Seawald. Like uh. Matt Festa kind of held them at bay. Penn Murphy again, from the back end of the bullpen, those guys came out and gutted through, uh, Munoz, I think was very fatigued, gutted through his inning. It was, they were none of them particularly sharp. But they were all effective enough. Like you said, like they needed every fingernail, every it they were not efficient with their pitches necessarily. They were definitely not dominating the zone, but they found ways to get out. Did I think I forget anyone? It was what it felt like to me, and I'm actually looking Murphy. at the box score. Is oh, Castillo. 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 Let's also talk about how Castillo hit Whit Merrifield in the head. <laughs> Oh, see, that's kind of what I'm talking about. It which, was weird. Which again, but but the difference was that didn't snowball. Like you had in the Royals game where it was like, it was just brash, just melted down. Oh, brash. We, we need to mm-hmm. talk about brash too. Like, no, Castillo threw that bad pitch. The energy in the stadium's cranked. Everybody's angry. Merrifield's angry. Everyone's mad. 
And Castillo calmed down after that and he got the out he needed to get to end the inning and like tidy up Seawald's mess. So, and then you have Matt Brash, who we have seen he's either on or he's not on. And Mm -hmm. we've seen him have those meltdowns. He's getting on the mound in his home country in the stadium for the facing the team he grew up rooting for with his friends and family in attendance, making his first pro appearance, first appearance as a pro on that mound. And he threw a scoreless inning and he, and he, again, I don't think he was his best, but you know, he got that wicked slider on strikeout swinging on Danny Jansen. I mean, I was really proud of him. So yeah, I think I think that the bullpen the bullpen was not as sharp as they had been, but considering the conditions of that game, I the bullpen are one of my heroes for this game. Wow. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that, but I, I yeah. think that that's it's a good point. That's a yeah, good point. You I mean Paul Seawald and everybody else picked them up. They picked up their start and you know, we've seen Seawald pick up the rest of the team before. So it was great to see the offense pick everyone up and you know the the bullpen wasn't so sharp but they did what they needed to do. They bent, they did not break. Mm. Mm. Um yeah. how about the point where you were like, "Oh my god, they're actually going to do this thing." Oh my god. For me that was the JP bloop double. Like if that doesn't fall and they're still behind three runs, three runs is huge. Three runs is and I mean probably some of those came in because Bichette and Springer collided, which I feel terrible about. That's not the way you ever want to win. Um, but it was a triangle shot. It's going to be difficult anyway. Obviously, it's the playoffs, so they're both going full bore trying to make that play. Sometimes things break your way a little, and the Mariners had had a lot of bad Babbitt luck there where balls found gloves, and you know Julio hit the ball hard like, I don't know, 17 times and got nothing for it. So... That was, I mean, that's the equivalent of Crawford hitting a home run with two guys on. Like, that's the equivalent of the Santana home run, which that was the point where I was like, all right, if they tie it, when the when bullpen comes to bullpen, knowing what their bullpen is and what they've used, knowing what our bullpen is, what we've used, and what we have that we can pull off the bench as far as starter depth if it's close. That was the point where I was like, oh, my God, they're going to do it. How about you guys? I I mean, it wasn't until, honestly, it wasn't until two outs left in the game with Kirby on the mound that I was like, this is, oh, man, this it's, it's going our way. Because it's playoffs, like anything could happen. And I just, I wasn't ready to place any money um on it um but um yeah no i it was yeah no nowhere through that game until the very end that i actually allowed myself to believe that we were gonna win i was waiting for the other the other shoe to drop um but they were all on everybody's Ah, heads they were all they were all on people's (laughs) heads yes the rally shoe which i guess we're stuck with now the rally somebody at t-mobile park is not afraid of Giardia or whatever you can get from the ground at T-Mobile Park and put their human shoe on their Um, head. That's so gross. Athlete's foot on the scalp sounds like a bad thing to me. Yes. It was a Birkenstock, too. I don't know if you guys noticed, but the most Seattle of Seattle. 
to ever see. Oh man. I mean, I guess there's like a cottage industry to be made in developing some kind of a headband that has like a platform to set the shoe on, right? Like something, some kind of securing device, maybe like clips or something that'll, that'll hold it up there. But also like for me, anything that has touched the ground, touching my precious head of hair, absolute non-starter, absolute non-starter. <laughs> No I way. did notice that a, a lot of people had hats on and then the, the shoes were sitting on top of the hats. And I feel like that's acceptable because you can take the hat off and clean it. I do not love the idea of turning myself upside down like a toothbrush and scrubbing the top of my head against the floor at T-Mobile. That's mm. gross. But hey, w- it, it worked. So <laughs> I'm not... I'm not. Thank you for your service, everyone who did the rally shoe. Um, Evan, how about you? Like, what? Oh, sorry. Oh, I was gonna say, do you think that the guy who it started with, the Birkenstock guy, do you think he was wearing socks with his Birkenstocks, so his feet weren't touching the ground, or do you think he was free footing it? Mm, I, I, is there any way to be in Birkenstocks other than free footing it? I don't socks. No, I, I don't know. I I wore my Birks and socks to the to the store today. I don't know, but that still does not solve to me the problem of rubbing your head on the ground at T-Mobile. Because again, yeah, and psychologically, I can't wrap my head around walking on the T-Mobile concrete barefoot. I just like I, I can't do that. No, mm, 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 mm. I mean, people do not. People be nasty. They don't clean <laughs> up after themselves. <laughs> this is just a public service address. Like people at T-Mobile are not there to clean up after you. Carry in, carry out. Take your mm-hmm. concessions trash out to the trash. Nothing is a pet peeve for me more than watching people get up and like leave their trash behind. Like, no, no, those people are there to like clean up your spilled popcorn, which I cannot eat popcorn without spilling it. It's fine. You know, they're there to find your keys if you lost them. They're mm-hmm. not there to clean up. They're not your mom's. Take your own crash out. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, Evan, how about you? Like, what was the what was the turning point for you when you realized, oh my gosh, the f- they're gonna win this? What was the fulcrum? Um, yeah, you're right. Like, it was where was the, the belief? Uh, yeah, it was the JP double. Not because I think like the Santana home run gave the team a very much needed lift because it felt like it was slipping away. And once again, he continues to just be unreasonably clutch. He's almost like only clutch. He can only deliver like that when the moment is that big. But hey, you know, we'll take it. But yeah, Crawford's double in the eighth inning really just was like twisting the knife. And it also was that kind of weird magic the Mariners have coming to fruition because there, you know, there have been so many moments in these games that have defined the season where it's like they really could have and a different version of the team would have lost either because they were down and wouldn't have come back or because they would have blown some kind of lead. But they have that they have that magic and they did it. And I always felt like they would. I don't know why. When the Mariners are down eight to one, I of all people will check out mentally. But I felt like it was I felt like anything was possible the way that they played. And they sure made me look right in that sense because they're something else, man. They're they're a really special team, a really, really special Mariners team. And I think I asked the question on Twitter is this the greatest Mariners team of all time? And most people said, no, I think that this team is special in a way that 
very few others are. And I think that 2001, obviously the most wins in all of history is going to stand tall, but I would put us, I'd put this team right there, maybe behind that, but in front of the 95 and 97 teams, which were good in their own ways, but were more like plucky underdogs than this team has been. Um, This team was supposed to be good and they've lived up to it. And that's something that's really the legacy we've struggled to live up to, right? Is the Mariners failing expectations. Uh, and this year they have surpassed them wildly. So yeah, feeling real good I about want, that. I want to say too, that like with Kirby coming in, I just did not have any fear about that. I did think he was going to get out of it. Well, first of all, because it's the ninth inning and now suddenly you're, you're seeing a guy who's got like a three or four pitch mix, but also like, Kirby is low key. I think because he he comes off and he's like, oh, I'm you know, I look like Pete from Mad Men. <laughs> I look like <laughs> a silent film star. Uh, he's a dapper he's, gent. He's very dapper. He's very he's very kind of waspy. Uh, let's be honest. He is he he doesn't strike you in person. He's super nice too. Really nice guy. Um, he doesn't strike you in person as maybe. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details as tough a competitor as he is. Um, but I would put him up. Logan, we see that much more. You know, we've seen Walter come out and uh, sort of a similar thing with him. I think Kirby might be even more intense than Logan in, a, in some ways. And he is just... I knew he, I knew he wasn't going to let it get away from him. He's absolutely a mind of steel... It's hard because we've seen so little of him and a lot of what we saw was like that game against Baltimore where he melted down and gave up all the home runs or the game in spring training where he gave up a bunch of home runs. Like he he is young and he is still figuring it out. But I think that he is Logan Gilbert was on the radio and asked to give like one word for every pitcher in the rotation. And for Kirby, he was like, oh, dog. Like as in he's got that dog in him and the radio commenters i think it was brock and Salk, were really surprised like oh Kirk doesn't you know they had different words that they were maybe suggesting or you know thought that that might be marco's word and and i do like marco definitely has that bulldog mentality but i think kirby as we kind of get to know him better is going to earn that reputation in the eyes of like the Seattle faithful. It's, it's going to be, I'm really excited to the flashes of personality that we get that we're going to see revealed to us. Like the longer he's around, the more comfortable he is. Cause he's still so new at all of this too. And yeah, as far as like the team being special, I really, the camaraderie and we got a question about this, like for, People wanting to know, for those of us who've like been around the team or been studying the team this year, 
what if this team has more camaraderie than Pat or if there's something special about them. And I can't really speak to other teams because we were not there other years, but I can say what I've seen this year, which is it is genuinely a group of guys who really seem to like and respect each other. There are a lot of cross locker room friendships. Like obviously like all the Spanish speaking guys have their lockers together, but JP goes over there and hangs out with them and puts bad bunny on the, on the clubhouse stereo for them. And uh, they all dance together. JP surprisingly like knows all the words to, uh, I think it's, what is the song? Titi me pregunto. Uh, it does not surprise me that J.P. Crawford knows him some oh, yeah. bunny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he's got the words down. And, you know, he's. it's just they're very loose. They tease each other. They tease each other like brothers do. Where it's, it, it's, te- it's teasing, but it's also loving. Uh, they share information. They help each other. They mentor each other. They talk to each other. Dylan Moore was asking, watched Mitch Haniger take batting practice the other day. It was like watching him super intensely. And then Haniger came out and they had a long conversation. You could tell they were talking about hitting. Like they talk about their kids are all friends. Their kids all play together. The wives are all friends. The wives are really close. Um, very like incru- inclusive group of ladies who really seem to like each other. And yeah, it's just. And I think that starts from like your team leadership and Marco and Haniger kind of setting that and and more more I would also say is a is a foundational member of that and those guys just really opening it up to everyone and saying like we want you here and we value you here and you you are valued and appreciated and you can be just whoever you are and fit in here so. I don't know. I saw somebody say like, oh, Mariners, this team of misfits bit, beat, you know, the powerful Blue Jays. Like, yeah, yeah, they did. Because <laughs> they might Thanks. be little weirdos, but they're all weirdos in this together. They're all in it together. The Mariners <laughs> have a really unique mix of veteran leadership, but the team is driven by young players. And that's a very difficult thing to pull off. It's like, that's the idea is that you have young young prospects and young players are the engine for your team, but you have veteran guys to steady the ship, but your young players have to be good for that to work out. And we've seen time and time again, um, what you wind up, what winds up happening where it doesn't work is you have prospects that fail and then you wind up overpaying superstars and importing them, which is how you wind up like with Dustin Ackley, Justin Smoke, Jesus, Jesus Montero, excuse me. And um, like Robinson Cano, because they had a failure to develop the talent, the talent, and then they had really high-priced free agents that they brought in to kind of stabilize, and it didn't work. This team, so much of the actual wins above replacement are from Julio, from Cal, from Kirby, from Gilbert. The steadying forces are Robbie Ray and Marco and you know Carlos Santana, but they're not the ones driving the ship. They're not the ones where the primary value has been extracted from over the course of the season, and that's really... Don't underestimate what a unique mix that is because we might, I'm not saying we won't have it again, but it's just, it's an alchemy that's born from the circumstances that got us here and it may not happen again. And it doesn't, it doesn't happen for every team. And it goes into, again, this being a very special team. I mean, part of that too is like, they didn't, 
make a big position position players rack up war have so many more chances to rack up war than pitchers uh they also have more chances to damage their war um but the mariners didn't hand out a big contract to a position player they only did it for a pitcher this year and um i don't know where we'll put castillo i guess he's not homegrown necessarily but now he is extended and he's going to be a mariner for a long time so uh i think that something robbie ray said that really stuck out to me was um this old school way of thinking that like if you're a rookie you have to earn your place you have to earn your voice in the locker room you're supposed to spend your first year just with your mouth shut and your ears open and i think there's a lot of value in recognizing when you're new in an environment and making sure that you're learning and asking all the questions but the rookies are doing that they are leaning really heavily on these voices of experience but in turn those voices of experience marco and robbie ray and santana are valuing and value validating what these newcomers what these younger guys have to say and there's not that strict division that hierarchy that role rookies sit in the back and it's it's very different they're grouped in the lot in the clubhouse they're grouped much more like the relievers are kind of on one side the starting pitchers are towards the back the catchers are over here you know it's 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 a little more mixed around. It's not like, oh, you're the new guy, so you're going to take this locker that's like in the back corner. You know, it's it's um it's just not as hierarchical as I think. I don't I don't think baseball is in general as much anymore because it has switched to being such a younger sport. Teams are getting younger and younger all the time. And so just that way of thinking was going to have to go out, but also the team leaders, the people who are the big voices in the clubhouse are also like, let's get everyone's voices in here. Let's be inclusive. And a lot of that, I think too, when you're saying that is because of Julio, it's because yes, the Mariners absolutely. best player <laughs> and their most like exciting personality is a 21 year old rookie who is showing everybody up on both sides of the ball. So yeah. It, and it's, it's absolutely Julio's personality too, where he is just this perfect blend of, confident but not but not cocky like julio mm -hmm. is confident mm -hmm. he's not cocky he is yeah absolutely somebody you want to be around somebody whose team you want to be on he gives so much he just gives everybody so much love he never acts like he's above anyone but he's also not like obsequious he's not like oh he's not falsely you know um self-deprecating he's just he does poke fun at himself sometimes. Like you say, like, oh, rookie mistake when rookie he opens his champagne season. <laughs> he, he takes those opportunities to poke fun at himself. You know, the when he fell and they did the outline around him. Oh, he had, <laughs> you know, a ball with that. He wore the shirt with the outline of it on there, which I believe was Adam Frazier's idea to do. So, yeah, it's just... And it speaks to the team culture that they have as well, that everybody feels safe being themselves. Yeah, I would. I do have to say that there must have been somebody who gave these guys, especially the young guys, advice to, you know, be yourself because you are going to be the best self that you are, and nobody else can be you. And yeah, definitely seen like with Julio, he has maybe somebody told him that from like the very beginning of his career, but because he has just rolled with who he is as a person, and it's authentic, and you can tell it's authentic, and you can see 
I mean, like with Cal, how at the beginning when he was first called up, he was struggling and then he had to get sent back down. And when he came back up, it seemed like he just finally accepted, like, this is who I am as a person, as a player. I'm going to embrace my struggles. I'm going to embrace my successes. And I think you can just really tell when a player knows who they are and they know their style and when they're when they feel respected by their team and i think that this team has a does a really great job of having everybody else feel like they're equal that they're heard that they're listened to and that like most importantly that they're respected yeah like with like the whole like rookie thing like you have to earn your stripes i don't get that sense from this team at all it's like they're all major league players they're all supposed to be here and it works really well they work really well as a team together and this is the kind of this is like almost like a textbook example of how much team chemistry can do for you because you can have a roster a lineup of superstars and then fall you know flat on your face because when it comes down to it you don't trust the person next to you but there has been a lot of trust building throughout this entire season and it Definitely, I mean, it paid off in a game like yesterday, for sure. Yep, they were the weaker team on paper. They were not picked by anyone. Like, pretty much nobody but Mariners fans picked the Mariners to advance. It was, you know, Toronto was this, and their lineup is super scary. And we saw it yesterday, like, when it is firing on all cylinders, it... it you can see how over a longer series, and I don't know, I, I like the Mariners, honestly, even over a longer series because I like their pitching better. But I think it would have been closer than the two-game sweep, which I will call it a two-game sweep. <laughs> I saw some debate about that, but no, 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 no. They swept. It's a sweep. There were two games and they won both of them. That's mm -hmm. called a two-game sweep. Like It might be like a little yeah. kitchen, little sweeper, yeah. but it's... Like the small ones <laughs> yes. that you get the dollar store, but it's still a sweep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a sweeplet. It's a sweeplet. It um, uh, but um, I, oh, I was also going to say with Cal embracing things, it's been funny to see Cal embrace Big Dumper. Like he has, he shout has out gone to Cal's from, family who has also uh, been Cal's, perpetuating this on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how thrilled his mom was with Big Dumper. Uh, I can imagine, you know, if I was a mom and my son was suddenly being called, you know, lovingly sort of fat ass in <laughs> <laughs> national, like nationally, I would, I would, you know, maybe I can see how that would be a tough pill to swallow. Like you couldn't call him sweet cheeks or baby face or nice smile or good boy or like there's so many other things that are a little more elegant than big dumper but he's stuck with it and to see him like lean into it and then see the family lean into it and be like okay like this is just what it's gonna be uh you cannot fight the public you can't fight city hall so uh, that <laughs> is it is what it is and Seeing him pick that up has been, and it certainly made me feel better about using it too. Um, let's talk though about series MVPs. Who is your series MVP for this two-game sweep? Ooh, Cal. 
I mean, obviously I'm going to say Cal, but. Mm-hmm. Evan, tell us, tell us what, I know why I say Cal, but Evan, tell us why you say Cal. Yesterday was the biggest Mariners game of the season and Cal went three for four big hits and a walk. And he's batting 500, 556, and slugging a thousand in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, Cal gets it. Cal gets MVP for those things. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I would give, and this is kind of like out of left field. Um, I think I would give Perry Hill the MVP. Um, Good choice. Because Good choice. the infield work. Mm-hmm. Like, I was watching as the Jays were just hitting it on the ground and like you, sometimes you forget that like even major league players can, I mean, that's what an, literally that's what an error is, but our infield work this whole year has been superb. And I mean, if we had anybody, but Perry, I don't think we would have had as good of a shot last game. Or, uh, yeah, I yeah. love that. Yeah. I love that. And also, um, you know, Roger center, it's turf. The turf plays really fast. I was nervous. Like, yeah, I'd like to shout out J.P. Crawford a little bit here, too, because I was nervous about uh, J.P. specifically on the turf. He has had a poor year defensively, more errors than we're used to seeing out of him. Um, I think he ranks in the first percentile for defensive runs saved. Just very some very un-J.P.-like type things that have happened. Um, and he was absolutely on his game this whole series. He was crisp. Eugenio made some great plays too. Uh, Frazier over at second. The infield defense, Ty France too. Got a shout out Ty France who reached out for a couple throws that were maybe not totally on target. Made some good plays in foul ground. Like that whole infield defense. And yes, Shay, that's absolutely a credit to Perry Hill who prepares them every day, gets them out there every day, gets their mind right. And they showed up at the biggest possible moment mm-hmm. yeah they they showed up like that's i mean yesterday i mean the, the pitching yesterday wasn't i mean yes like we've talked about it wasn't the best performance of the year but the infield the outfield like they did their job like they showed up um, they did what they were supposed to do and sometimes team sports like it can just one person that makes that make the play but when everybody else is doing their job it makes it a whole lot easier to win and you start that from the foundation and I think that Perry Hill has as we've said many many times on the podcast on the site Perry Hill is a godsend or if you don't believe in God a, a dog send. He's a secret weapon. Yes. There is a uh, there is an article up. I did an interview 
well, a series of interviews. I talked to Service. I talked to France, JP, Eugenio about Perry Hill and about what he does for them. And um, yeah, it's pretty. I like it as an article. Um, I think it really reveals how at 70 years old he is able to be completely relevant to the game today and to his players. So I love that choice, Shay. That's a great choice. Um, to not pick Cal, who I think is the the series MVP because, you know, catching, he's playing the most valuable defensive spot. He was solid back there. He worked with a very difficult strike zone in game one. Um, and then, of course, there's everything he did at the plate. Uh, I would say my runner-up would be Luis Castillo, um, who's, I just, I don't remember a game one, I don't remember a performance like that prior to, you know, I mean, Felix, obviously, Felix put up starts like that over and over again. He never did in a playoff game, sadly. So, for me, that watching that Castillo performance... It was masterful. It was it was absolutely masterful pitching. For me, I knew when we acquired Castillo we were getting a good pitcher. I don't think and I mean the the start against the Yankees at T Mobile, I was like, oh my gosh, like they got an ace. That's what an ace looks like. And it was no disrespect to the various Mariners pitchers who are very good, who have followed over the years and written about it was the best pitching performance I'd ever had a chance to witness in person because I wasn't here for a lot of the Felix years the prime ones uh and it was and I don't remember the Randy Johnson ones well enough uh so the the best pitching performance I witnessed in person where I was cognizant and then yesterday's just topped that like it was not yesterday's, but Friday's. It was, yeah, I was, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is what absolutely eighth pitching looks like. And it stands out to me even more when you see what that lineup is able to do when they're not completely being shut down by just star caliber pitching. It's super exciting. Um, and he basically, Cal Raleigh, obviously the home run, huge. He basically single-handedly won that game. Just his durability, his ability to just kind of keep going out there, mowing down guys, getting out sufficiently. It was, it was fabulous. Um, cry about it, Yankees. <laughs> what a, ooh. I mean, there was so much talk about them giving up too much and the Yankees fans being like, oh, the Mariners. You know, and granted, I understand from the Yankees' point of view, they didn't want to get it. They didn't want to pay the price. But the Reds were in the position where they needed to get something for him. So they were going to take the best bet. And I think the Yankees were overconfident that they were going to have the best package because they're the Yankees. And they were going to offer like one of these highly regarded shortstop prospects and feel like that was going to be enough because they were the Yankees and they made all these moves setting up to get the Castillo, to get Castillo. They traded away Jordan Montgomery. Like, <laughs> yeah. They and did. then they were like mad that the Mariners blew them out of the water with that trade, pr with the, 
with the trade. And like, no, you don't get to be mad about that. The Mariners are willing to give up something that you weren't. And a huge part of that is because they were in this position of wanting to go for it, needing to go for it, needing to do something to break this drought. And so they did. And, you know, too bad, so sad for you. You... Th- that was the kind of like baller gutsy move. I was, I had been kind of wavering on the Mariners' season so far. I was frustrated by the acquisition of Frazier, which wasn't doing a lot for him. Winker wasn't doing and did not do a ton for them. It's like, oh, it feels like we're doing these half measures. That was not a half measure. That was pushing the chips all in, and it paid off just tremendously. And, um, it's really fun to be a fan of a team that takes a huge swing like that. And it's even more fun that it worked out like it did. I do have to wonder too, when you, you can see when Castillo pitches during while he's still in after he's done, he's very clearly smiling and enjoying himself. He allows himself to feel every emotion. And I definitely have seen that through looking through all the photos after every game. There's a lot of Castillo just smiling and it's beautiful but I wonder how much goes went into deciding picking between the Yankees and the Mariners for him and it makes me wonder if the culture in the Mariners locker room within the team had anything to do with him being like I want to I definitely want to go there versus going to the Yankees that are you know notoriously known as like the business team and you have to shake your facial hair I think that the team, I think that there was like a little bit of like magic that pulled him in, not just the, uh, not just the package going back. Well, he didn't have a choice, oh, which wait, is yes. what sucks. Oh, yeah, that, that, that is what sucks about, um, about being a player that's young. Uh, and that's why they use the word controllable, which has always uh, struck me as a pretty creepy way to talk about another human being. It's gross, yeah. But yeah, it does mean that the Reds could send him anywhere. And honestly, I think Castillo, if you said you are either going to the Yankees or the Mariners, <laughs> I feel 99.99999% sure that I know what his preference would have been and it is not sadly our boys in blue uh Eugenio (laughs) Suarez notwithstanding and honestly like that's what it's gonna take for the Mariners for a little while to get guys in here is bring them here show everyone because you can talk about it but you gotta be about it and being about it is having guys here letting them see what an incredible culture this is and winning and advancing and having a ton of fun doing it. And the 2022 team has been a great advertisement for the 2023 team, not just for fans, but for potential free agents. Like I want a part of what they're building in Seattle. Cause who's having more fun than the Seattle Mariners? No one. Okay. Uh, I have other questions here, but a lot of them are just incoherent gibberish noises, which fair very much me. Um, some of you asked questions about the Astros series, the ALDS. We will do another podcast tomorrow that features John and also uh, previews the ALDS, talks about the Astros. We didn't want to bring them into this. We wanted this to just be a time of celebration, a time of good vibes. 
So thank you, Shay, for being on and being on our Good Vibes pod. Thank you, Evan. And thank you to everybody who's listening and will listen and will be with us on this ride. It's really exciting. And we'll talk to you again.